RCR with Paul Brennan, Reality Check Radio. You might have heard of LGNZ mentioned here on RCR over the time since we've been broadcasting local government NZ. And we'll find out just in a moment um, what that organization was all about. But uh, it has been, I guess, said recently that uh, this organization has kind of gone woke and has um, gone on the wrong side of some of the councils. Craig Jepson, if you remember, joined us early on in RCR, who is the mayor of the Kaipara district. He joins us again on Reality Check Radio. Craig, good to have you back. How are you doing? Good to be here. Okay, LGNZ, am I right? Is it woke? Yeah, I believe so. Uh, Local government New Zealand, to me, has become more of an arm of government than a representative of the 67 councils, and the issues that they push are not always what councils would wish for. Um, Our council, I can't speak for all my councils, but I put it to um, a free and open meeting where they could vote on whether they wish to stay or not. And um, they voted to leave because um, they didn't think they were getting value for money and they didn't agree with some of the advice they were given. And uh, they also felt that they were confused as to their obligation and the standing orders that had been issued by local government in New Zealand, which they wanted to wanted to change. So, yeah, they exercised their vote and um, we left. Okay, so in the early days of LGNZ, how was it? Oh, for me, it was interesting because, you know, I'm a mayor that has been voted in completely from the outside of the fence, as it, as it were. I was uh, in my own business and I stood for council and uh, people agreed with my um, my policies and I got a very large majority here, so I ended up in a council as a mayor. And, uh, you know, I haven't had that experience of being in councils as a councillor, let alone a mayor previously. So for me, it was a it was a big learning curve. And initially, I went down to Wellington twice to attend local government New Zealand get-togethers there, and um, they call it mayor school. <laughs> so I you needed down. schooling, right? Yeah, mayor schooling. You could call that, if you look at that as mayor indoctrination, I'm not sure. I mean, don't get me wrong. There's a lot of a lot of stuff that local government New Zealand does that's that is good. That is good. It's good about our liaise with other mayors and talk about their issues, etc. But you can do that outside of local government New Zealand. Of course. Yeah. So, so okay. What was the mayor's school thing like? What What were you told? I mean, if you're in business, you've already you haven't come down in the last shower. You kind of know what you're doing anyway. You certainly know how to relate to people. You got the BS detector always on, et cetera, et cetera. So what could they what could they teach you? Well, you know, they trotted out various speakers, the Naya Mahuda to justify three waters and Andrew Little to talk about, you know, um the health situation. And um I actually had him on at one of the meetings because I asked them why the hell nurses were still without jobs up here, had been mandated out of their jobs, considering now that we know that the vaccines, whether you have it or not, you know, you can transmit it or catch Don't it. Don't work. Let's um, call it for what it is. Yeah, yeah, it's not safe and effective, right? So, um, you know, I was the only one asking the question. So I felt like people were a little bit reticent to speak their mind at local government New Zealand. Uh, a lot of the mayors, I think, shuffle their feet and look at the floor rather than speak out against what they know is probably not what yeah, they're, they're But the leaders, Craig, they are, have been voted in to lead their communities. It's their, Isn't it their responsibility to ask tough, awkward questions? Isn't that why they're there? 
Well, that's right, but it should also be local government New Zealand's um, role to do that as well. You know, I mean, why did we have to go and join a separate organisation called Communities for Local Democracy to to push the wishes of many of the councils uh, regarding, you know, three waters? Well, now we're told it's affordable waters, which is a bunch of, of rubbish, of course. But, you know, why did we have to do that? If local government New Zealand had been doing the job, they would have represented the thoughts of many of its members. And that wasn't happening. So that was one of my reasons for wishing to to remove myself from local government New Zealand. I didn't feel like myself or my constituents, you know, were being were being correctly represented. You know, this um, three waters business. You know, it um, what it does is it takes any participation from local people. It, it eliminates their participation in, in governing their the, the right to to um, oversee their assets. It puts all the all the power on the Timana Otify statements. So in other words, it's a racially based organisation where Maori ultimately have all the decisions. And then, if it doesn't work out, and you know there's huge debt racked up, they can come for your properties, just like they can under the Rating Act. So, to me, that's not a system that's fair for New Zealand. And I think that um, local government New Zealand let us down big time on representing us there. So where did the disconnect, do you think, come about? Why, why, why were they all in local government NZ on, on that and not supportive or, or um, giving support to other views? Well, like a lot of things nowadays, follow the money. A lot of their funding comes from government. Um, there's huge influence going on there and... There's no doubt about it. There's there's a there's a large um, push within that organisation from people to follow what you call or I would call it too the woke agenda. You know, um, one of the the things that um, disturbed me was they tr- they confused my councillors and raised expectations for Mary in my district. I feel because unrealistic expectations because their advice to change the local government standing orders was completely against the Bill of Rights uh, in regards to equal treatment. I had a, a, um, I had a, a legal opinion from Oval v. Franks regards that, and um, they just said it completely breached the, um, the Bill of Rights Act and the Human Rights Act and um, the Local Government Act, where People don't realise my job as a mayor is to treat everyone equally. You know, there's no room there really where you should give preference. And um, that's what they were asking us to do. And, I've, of course, one of my big platforms when I stood was anti-co-governance. I don't think it's going to be good for this country. And uh, I think local government New Zealand very much was pushing that agenda. So from my own personal point of view, that didn't sit well with me either. So I'm just trying to understand is it an ideological thing or is it just follow the money? Because we've seen a lot of follow the money. Uh, is it people protecting jobs or climbing on board something, you know, that feeding off the trough? Or is there an ideological kind of following there as well? Oh, look, I think it's it's both, Paul. Um, you know, we get people who lose reality of um, who they actually represent in this country. They're sitting on a nice coffee, um, you know, comfortable um, public service jobs. You know, they um, and they tend they tend to group think. Yeah, that's, that's the thing. I don't I don't 
I don't like. I've never been a group thinker myself. I tend to look outside the square a little bit. Yeah, the other the other issue was cost for us as a council. You know, that we, we were paying forty eight thousand dollars into the organisation. Um, I had previous councillors publicly condemn me for coming out, for pulling out of local government New Zealand. They they believed that forty eight thousand wasn't a lot of money, but if you multiply that by ten, that's you know equivalent to one percent of our rates. And it adds up, you know, if you look after the cents, the dollars look after themselves. And we're a small district of only, you know, around 20,000 ratepayers. And, you know, we have a lot of deprivation in the district. We are, the median income here is only 30,000 around about. Well, people. Yeah. So, you know, we're a pretty poor district. And uh, so you know, I was pretty proud of the fact that uh, because we have been looking at all our costs, you know, we had one of the lowest rate rises in the country of 4.96%. So, Forty-eight thousand doesn't sound a lot for a lot of people, but you know, if you add, add it all up over across the board, it always does add up. You know. Yeah, and was there value for that spend? I guess in the end, that's the calculation, right? Well, that's not what my councillors believed. They didn't think they were getting any any um, advice that they needed. We've got a, a we've got a very good council in terms of I've got a strong, well balanced um, chief executive. Um, he does a good job of helping councillors with um, issues they need to talk about. And, um, you know, we've been growing. I think uh, our meetings have become better and better, except for some of the um, activists that turn up at every meeting. But, you know, once they leave, we get on and have a pretty good meeting and we're a pretty united council. So at this stage, I think we're probably running as well, if not better than most. So, you know, we don't need local government New Zealand to, to tell us how to operate. That's for sure. What, what have you just mentioned, activists? What have they been turning up and what point have they been trying to make then? Oh, look, I've had quite a few protesters continue to come to my meetings. They've taken advantage of the standing orders where they can seek and I can't deny them, you know, five-minute slots. The public forum at the beginning of um, each meeting, I've had one activist turn up about six times, you know. And uh, just recently... Um, you know, like I haven't denied people free speech, but um, you know, um, we had a we also had a democratic vote about the Karakia, for example, and we, as a council, we actually decided we wouldn't have one. We'd have a secular council, and we'd give people the opportunity to, on a pro rata basis, to just before the meeting to make a statement or a Karakia, whatever they wished. So that hasn't been respected. It continues to go on. That's right. I remember talking about that last time we uh, chatted. That was kind of a, a bit of an issue back then. Okay, so what's the reaction, <clears throat> excuse me, of LGNZ been? Because when people start leaving the organisation, I guess, that can um, cause a few issues for them. Oh, look, Dave, I mean, it's hard to criticise people, Paul, because most people in their own way feel like they're trying to make a difference and do good things. Um, but obviously... We have differences about what you know how to get there, and um, uh, they've just recently um, uh, selected a new chair by vote, and that's been Sam Broughton from Selwyn District. And he's a really he's a really nice guy. I actually had um, had a meal with him a couple of days ago and a couple of beers, and you know talked about issues. And he said, you know, that he was disappointed we weren't there, but you know, I think he understood that um, you know we wanted to go on our own and. We didn't feel we needed needed that support at this point. Um, 
you know, if the local government in New Zealand, like, you know, want to knock on my door and make some changes, you know, in terms of what some of their advice should be, you know, uh, you know, I'd like them to talk about things nationally that, that matter. For example, I've got a proposal here on pushing to try and bring waste to energy into the Kuipera so we can eliminate a one and a half million tonne a year landfill being deposited in our headwaters to the Kuipera Harbour. And, of course, that's another woke subject. You know, they continue to push recycling. They continue to, to object generally to, to um, high-temperature incineration as a method of landfill disposal, and yet our, our trading partners, the European Union, for example, their highest recycling rates have decided an integrated approach with waste to energy. And if you actually look at the science, I mean, people say, look at the science, follow the science. Well, if you follow the science, there's no way you'd keep dumping shit in the ground in this right. country. Okay. You know, we claim to be clean green, but, you know, if we, if we had a, a plant... For example, it burns just 360,000 tonnes of waste a year. That would supply power to 60,000 homes. It could power 12 dairy, the equivalent of 12 dairy companies. You get 80,000 tonnes of, of aggregates from it. You can use the, the heat and the steam pressure to, to help with industry. And, you know, so local government New Zealand could do a lot of that sort of stuff, but they don't seem to. Um, you know, we keep talking about the latest buzzwords of carbon-free economy. What does that actually look like, you know? I see the government yesterday proposes fast-tracking even more solar and wind farms. Well, what's that going to do to our power prices and how vulnerable that's, is that going to make it for, for our businesses, you know? I mean, we're, we're in economic hard times and we need to try and generate, um, you know, industry and business in our country. And you're not going to do that when power prices triple and multiply. And that's what yeah, we, we don't seem to go back to what we used to do so well. And I remember, you know, watching all the movies at school and uh, being enthralled by the Tongariro Power Project, driving past there, going to holidays in the Coromandel. Back in the day, we used to do big, bold things that really made a huge difference. And they're not that difficult if we could do them that long ago. And that's renewable, isn't it? That's renewable. All that. Well, that's, that's right. And much, much of what I'm talking about there with waste energy is re renewable. But if it's not politically fashion, fashionable, they don't want to, they don't, they're not brave enough to, you know, to embrace it. Uh, or to, well, I'm not saying they need to embrace it, but, um, you know, well, even consider it, right? Even have, look at it. Yeah. I mean, you've got, look at the, look at the changes you've got in the nuclear industry. You know, they're going to go from fission to fusion shortly. I mean, mm. we are getting to the point where we can, we can transition to a system that doesn't use fossil fuels if that's what you dislike. But um, you know, at the moment, there's not solar and wind and battery storage and more electric cars. I think will be a disaster for this country. I think that local government New Zealand needs to look at the implications of that. That's the sort of thing they need to be into. You mentioned that uh, incineration of waste. Um, as I understand it, the techniques for doing that now, the temperatures it's done at. It pretty well eliminates most of the pollution from it anyway. Am I right? Oh, certainly. When they build in best available control technologies to the tech to the um, to the technology of waste energy, they eliminated so much of the contaminant that was produced in the in the previous plants. I mean, for example, are you familiar with the Hunter building? And um, I, I'm I'm familiar with its existence, but I haven't actually visited it yet as such, but I'm certainly uh, familiar with it, yeah. Yeah, well, can you, I'm just holding up a picture. Can you see that? 
just pull it back. It's a bit out of focus. Oh, is it? Oh, yeah. oh it's it's part of your background, which is the defocus background. So oh. I kind of oh yes, I, yeah, yeah, I caught it there. Yeah, yeah. That come that comes out of the um Pandawasa architecture book, you know. Yeah. You show it to people, they go, Oh gosh, that's the building that they've just put up in Wangarai. And it says, No, no, that's a waste of energy plant on the banks of the Danube. <laughs> I was bald. <laughs> yeah, built in 1992, you know, and he was a great he was a great um, environmentalist. Oh, he was a, he was a, a weird sort of a guy. You know, used to sit naked in his lounge with a toilet in the middle. You know. And okay. So how he did his thinking, right? Yeah, yeah. And he used to and he used to march naked when he marched for environmental issues. But he didn't initially want to do the design for the Spitlow plant on the Danube because he thought it would be polluting. And then he the the, the scientists took him through the through the science of it. And in, in that book, if people care to go and have a read of that and see those lovely pictures of that weird weird and wonderful design of his. He says in there, he said, the the um, the emissions of dioxin were equivalent to one grain of sand and a train 100 kilometres long. Wow. Okay. It's, so, it's so clean. The, 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 French, the French are getting, I mean, all the European countries are getting wonderful results out of the technology. You can actually go on to an app and you can look at a minute-by-minute graph of what's coming out of the chimney of those plants. You can't switch a landfill off. You're committed to trying to keep those dirty things from including yep. the hundreds of years, you know. Plus you don't get any recoverable worthwhile energy and materials like you can from a waste energy plant, a modern one. Do LGNZ also provide though a line for funding for local government? Is that something that um, you miss out on if that's the case by leaving? No, I don't think so. It's the local government funding agency, which um, that's separate. We're not a member, but we have money borrowed with that. Yep. Oh, yeah. Okay. And for your local councillors, you indicated earlier that some possibly weren't in favour of of the vote that's been taken. Uh, how's it gone down? Oh well, they've you know that's they haven't been happy. There's I think we had. Um, I think there were three or four that voted against and six of us that voted to leave. Um, and they have their various reasons. Um, but, you know, it was a majority decision. Um, we get on with the business, so they have to accept that. And are you marked now? Are you a marked council for heresy and uh, <laughs> <laughs> and rejecting the narrative and going against the, the wokeness, however you want to put it? Are oh, you? I don't think so, Paul. Look, I keep... I still talk to, you know, I talk to Moko up north and I talk to Vincent Wangarei and I talk to Tui Shortland, who's the NRC chair. And, and of course, I talk to Wayne Brown. He's also taken his council out of LGNZ. And, um, you know, the, the, the relationship's always warm and we always need to work on local issues, you know, like you can't avoid having to deal with each other when there's so much that is cross-boundary you know, important and related. You know, the roading systems up here, the councils are pretty united that we must, you know, we must fix our links up with the, the Bryn Derwins and the um, Dome Valley, for example, the link to Wangarei and further north. They're critical for this economy here. If you look at tourism, for example, we're only doing about, you know, we should be doing 8% of our income from tourism. We're down at four because people get off out at the airport and they won't turn left anymore because they won't have our roads on, you know? Right. Gosh, so you we, you want people going left, do you? Yeah, get off at the airport, go left. Lefties, <laughs> yeah, the lefties we want. 
So all right, yeah. and and also there's quite a um quite a bit of interest. You may or may not want to comment on this, but quite a bit of interest in the Northland electorate right now. You know, national interest in it. Oh, very much so. Yeah, it's an interesting electorate. How do you think that's playing out at the moment? Uh, look, I wouldn't be able to pick it, Paul, but, um, you know, for example, Shane Jones is very popular up here and the Provincial Growth Fund brought huge benefits to the north. You know, we've had two water schemes up here. We had the the ceiling of the Potu Road, our $10 million shared path here, Dementia Unit and Mungatorado. Um, you know, the, the um, repair of the floodgates at Ruawai, the building of the Kaihu cycle trail that all came through that Shane Jones initiative so that's made him pretty pretty popular up here because it showed that he you know he can deliver what he says he will so that's an interesting thing um I think the problem that New Zealand first have got of course is Winston uh has been seen as betraying you know that voters that didn't want that 2017 um coalition but as Shane keeps reminding everybody, he said, well, it was 450,000 National Party voters that put Labour back in the second time around, you know. That is a point. It is a point. Yeah. It's interesting what you say about Provincial Growth Fund because I've heard a lot of people criticise that as just a sort of like a, a lolly scramble purely for political purposes. But um, what you're describing are hard assets, items of infrastructure, right, that – not just sort of talk, talk, stuff that's actually been built and is operating. Oh, for sure. It's been tremendous for our district and um, not just Kaipara, further north as well. So you can't discount it. It was real and it made real differences. You know, like, for example, if you go down to Pahi, there's now a very nice jetty down there, floating jetty, which means that community and visitors can come and use that harbour much more readily. Uh, you know, and that's that's what helps grow, you know, tiny towns is that sort of input. So I think it was quite well targeted. I don't think um, it was a slush fund at all. I think that, you know, um, the Provincial Growth Fund worked well with coordinating with, with councils and with communities. And I don't think there's too many projects out there where the communities say, oh, well, we didn't do, need that. That was just a bribe. Well, I don't think so. They were real. Okay, to finish up, uh, since um, you've taken this decision to leave LGNZ, interesting that reminding us that Wayne Brown has taken Auckland Council out of there as well. Um, do you think that will give permission for other councils around the country to, you know, sort of pull a, a similar move? Have you heard anything about that? I'm not sure, Paul, but maybe the thing about, you know, the largest council and the largest population base in the country pulling out of LGNZ and, uh, you know, tiny little council like ours doing the same, maybe the good thing from that will be it'll be an incentive for local government in New Zealand to say, well, hey, we need to probably look a little bit wider at the issues we're promoting and how we do we really represent these these councils. And if they, you know, they change the way they, they operate, well, maybe you'll see us back in. Okay. Well, thanks for coming back on RCR, Craig. Interesting um, hearing your thoughts uh, on that particular issue and also the state of things in Northland right now. Craig Jepson is the um, Kaipara District Mayor. And I'm sure uh, we'll talk again, Craig. Thanks, thanks for coming on again. Thank you very much. RCR with Paul Brennan, Reality Check Radio.